today's lesson was interesting. Okay, so every, this is my, uh, my theory, is that every uh, sermon, every teaching that's ever given was a lesson that God wanted to give to the pastor and he wants the pastor to share with you. So it's like if you ever heard, uh, if you ever heard, um, oh, sorry, thank you, my wife, reminding me that we haven't started in prayer and that's where we need to begin every time. Thank you so much, hon. Heavenly Father, Lord, um, I just ask your spirit to descend upon this room, Lord. Help me to step back out of this and to make sure that yours is the voice that's heard, Lord. Lord, I pray that you, um, you get this message out and you open hearts to hear, Lord, whether it be electronically a thousand miles away or a, a year from now, Lord. Whatever, whatever your plan is for this, Lord, I pray that, that your will be done. And I pray that uh, you just, um, like I said, help me, Lord, to step back and just be hidden by your cross. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I was saying, this is something that the Lord told me. See, we, we do this thing called let's skate, and I don't think that was up there. But we go out to the skate park here, and we uh, basically, we cook up some hot dogs, and uh, uh, one, of our, uh, one of our people that are here, um, one of our congregation, Art, he, um, he's not here today, unfortunately. He, um, he does some flight football with the kids. He has a whole flight football like set with goal posts and everything he sets up. It's like an amazing time. We go out there and we talk to the kids that are using the skate park. They're going up the half pipes and stuff like that. And we, we share, we get into the community and we listen to the kids. A lot of times they want to uh, like just sort of tell us what's going on. But it gives us an opportunity to, to share our faith, to speak Christ, to evangelize. Now that word evangelize or proselytize, it, it has like a sort of a bad connotation can I get a drink, a water bottle, please? But it, it, it's because the world has just decided to make it sound like you're trying to force something on somebody. And that's not what it is. Evangelization and proselytization are sharing your faith in Christ in such a way that it makes sense. Because, oh, thank you so much. Because the truth is, a lot of people are confused about what it means to follow Christ. See, in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, go therefore, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So people see that and they're like, what, what does that mean, make disciples, right? Because it's not like, it doesn't say like, go tell people about me. He's like, make disciples. And there's, there seems to be something more to it than that. And that's where people get sort of worried. Well, you know, the, first of all, public speaking is like, the, people would rather have root canals, they say, than public speak. And right now I'm feeling that. So, <laughs> so telling see people about Jesus, which is something that a lot of people feel like um, it's not something that people want, like you're forcing something, like I said, forcing it down to them or, or you're, you're, you're like somehow in, invading their space or something. Well, but Jesus says to go out and make disciples, which makes it even scarier, kind of. See, but, you know, and if you read, he, he's talking to the apostles. I mean, the question is, whose responsibility is it to tell people about Jesus, right? I mean, that's what it comes down to. Is Jesus talking to me when he says this? 
Is it just the pastor's job? Is it the uh, you know Bible teacher's job? Is it the youth ministry's job? I mean, I mean the children's ministry. I mean, they present the gospel to kids on a level where they can understand, you know, and they're young. And it says to bring them up in my ways, right? So maybe it's their job. A youth ministry, like I said, youth ministry. I mean, who needs to hear more about Jesus than teenagers these days, right? With all the stuff they're going through. There are those that in the Bible it says are called to evangelize. Now we just talked about evangelization, so that would make sense. It would be their job to tell people about Jesus. I mean, what does the Bible say? Whose job is it? Well, let's take a look at some verses here. And I'm going to go through these, there's one after another, and I just want to get a point sort of going here. So in Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then Philemon 1.6, Philemon 1.6, what the heck. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. And then in Mark 13, 10, and the gospel must first be proclaimed, not preached, proclaimed to all the nations. Now, David, this is as far back as David wrote, declared his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples. I was just talking about you, brother. In a good way, I promise. <laughs> and um, in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for the reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And then... A couple more, Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And lastly, not, but definitely not least, not, well, last one on my list, but not the last one in the book. The book. Mark 24.14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed, once again, not preached, proclaimed throughout the world, whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So, the reason I haven't been raptured yet is because you all aren't telling people about Jesus, so get out there and do it. <laughs> no, but we really are. We, it is our job. It's not, it's not a pastor's job. It's not the, the uh, children's teacher. It's not the youth teacher. It's everybody's job. The pastors and teachers have a job to help to further an understanding. But it's not just their job to tell people about Jesus. So, you see, I, I told, we read Matthew 28, 20. But if you get into 28, 20 and then go straight through to, I mean, sorry, 28, 19, and then go straight through to 28, 20, it says... Well, we're going to start with 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. We've read this. Baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And yes, you can baptize people. We just recently had baptism on Easter. And Art baptized his daughters. And he's not like some, you know, 
bishop or something. You don't have to be any special. It's about being a follower of Jesus. And Jesus commanded us to do this. So yes, it's okay for you to baptize your children or that person, friend of yours, you proselytized and he's like, I want to do this. I want to be baptized. You can do it. It's okay. <clears throat> In the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. But then Matthew 28, 20, and here's where it, like the rubber meets the road. It, he tells them immediately afterwards, he says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. So teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. What did he just command them? Like in the sentence before that, go forth and make disciples. You see, the apostles were to make disciples and then explain to them what it meant to be a disciple of Christ. And then those disciples were to go forth and make disciples and explain to them what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And so on and so on and so on until every ear is heard. We don't see that in the church today. We don't see people going, it sounds like I'm gonna fall through, and making disciples. We, um, we see people coming, accepting Christ as Lord and Savior, and um, sitting in seats. Um, boldness to tell people about Christ is um, rare. And uh, if, you've, if you've done it, you know that you might actually be the exception, unfortunately, these days. But I'm going to help because, like I said, this skate park was a lesson for me. I was afraid. Oh, hey, how you doing? Oh, okay, you don't want to talk to me. Hey, how you doing? Do we, we have hot dogs, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's what it was like for me. But Pastor Brian, he was like, hey, how you doing? You know, he wasn't, he wasn't letting them go. They would go over and they would sit on the, the ramp and their, turn in their, tune in their music on, on their, uh, you know, their, mp3 player and brian's over there talking to him hey oh that's an amazing skateboard oh those wheels new on that bike those are sweet you live in this neighborhood and he gets real when's the last time you did drugs when's the last time you had a meal you know next thing i know he's walking over with these people who drove right by me and i stood there and waved he brings them over to me and Art, and we're sitting there telling this person the gospel. We're giving it to him. You know, you don't have to live this life. He has a life for you. He wants you to have life more abundantly. It just, it's just the gospel. Now you're like, okay, well, yeah, you know, if you got scripture memorized or something, but it's not that hard. It really isn't. It's scary. It's intimidating. It's not hard. See, now... It says to make disciples, and those disciples will make disciples. So, you know, you might be like, well, I'm, you know, don't know if I'm a disciple. Well, I looked up the word. You see, um, actually, as I was doing this, I was uh, like, okay, I'm pretty much wrapped up, maybe some fine points, and then a uh, much more seasoned and veteran um, Bible teacher than me, Greg Laurie, he put an article on discipleship and it wasn't big. It was like a daily devotion, but it was profound. And so at that point I knew I was nowhere near done. And uh, 
really dug in onto what it meant to be a disciple. And this is what the article said. Just two things. The article was pretty big, but it, this is what two things it said. It said, all disciples are Christians, but not all Christians are disciples. What is a disciple? According to this article, living the Christian life as Jesus taught it. And <laughs> as the early church understood it, now here's the, here's the rub right here. Discipleship is real Christianity. Now, I'm uncomfortable reading that. Maybe you're uncomfortable hearing it. But let's dig into what it means. I mean, is it hard to be a disciple? Do you have to go to school? Is there like a, 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 a test you have to take at the end? Let's see what, is, what a disciple is. So Webster's Dictionary, right, just says a disciple is a follower or student of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. Remember the word follower. It's going to come up. So there's a website I like to go to if I have questions because they explain things pretty well. And uh, they're, they're legit. I've looked into um, the, the, the people behind it. It's called gotquestions.org. So if you have a question, you can go there and type in, you know, what does it mean to be a disciple? And then you'll get something to the effect of, this is what they say disciple means. It's a Greek word. It, the, it's, uh, the term is, I'm gonna try and pronounce this right, methetes. It basically means to be a student learner or learner, but a disciple is also a follower. There's that word. Someone who, here's what a follower is, a someone who adheres completely to the teachings of another, making them, <laughs> now here you go, his rule of life and conduct. <laughs> That's exactly what Jesus wants us to do. He says, who the, you know, if you hear these things and do them, you're like a man who built your house on a rock. But if you don't do these things, you're like the man who built his house on a sand, and that's definitely paraphrasing. So let's look at this word methetes a little more, because, see, I, I, so if you want to like, study the Bible, it's, it's not hard. But sometimes you need to look and say, okay, well, what is this? What are they trying to say when they say, make a disciple? Methetes, okay, and this is basically what it says. But what does it mean, like, what did the people who heard this? Because the writers of scripture don't just pick words. Oh, that sounds good. That sounds eloquent or something. No, there's a reason they use a word. In Greek, it's a very intricate language. So, like, there's like four words for love. So let's look at what methetes meant to the people who heard this from the apostles. It's from the word math, which makes sense. And it is a mental effort needed to think something through. To properly, it's for a learner or a disciple or a follower of Christ who learns the doctrines of scripture and the lifestyle they require. Someone catechized, we'll get into that in a minute, with the proper instruction from the Bible as it is necessary for follow through or life application. So catechized, from the word catechism, which people have an, uh, uh, a link to the Roman Catholic Church, and, uh, but it was, it was used before that. And the word means that it is somebody who, see, it's associated with a ritual of, of intense questioning. So, I mean, it actually used the word interrogation. So what is this saying? By using that word, what is it saying? 
so the last, that last sentence, it is saying something to this effect. Someone who is taught the ways of a disciple according to the instructions of the Bible and intently questioned to ensure their understanding as to apply them to their life. So if you're, being, if you're discipled, someone who has discipled you has made sure you understand what it means to follow Christ. It's not that difficult. I mean, Christ lays out his rules, his, his, his uh, commands. And these aren't guidelines. These aren't suggestions. Christ says, do these things and you're safe. Don't do these things and you're not. I mean, we're teaching uh, this, the Good News Club for these kids. And it says that those who believe in Christ, you know, will have eternal life. And those who do not are under God's wrath. And the kids are like, Wow, that's scary. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> it scares me to think about that, right? But they get it because we take the time to explain it. We disciple these kids. And if they have questions, we listen to the question and we answer the question. And if we have to get into the Bible with them and say, okay, well, let's read it ourselves and see what it says, then that's what we do. You don't have to have all the answers. In fact, you won't have all the answers. And if you do have all the answers, some of your answers are wrong, I guarantee it because the answers are in here, right? And you can put them in your heart, but if you're just like, oh no, I know. If you don't know, you don't know. Just admit it. It's better to admit you don't know and to seek the answer with the person and to have them know that you're, you're not gonna tell them whatever, whatever you think is right. You're gonna tell them what God says. Let's continue. I'm getting off on a tangent here. So, so you're probably thinking right now, okay, well, this intensely questioned thing, um, I'm not a disciple. I don't know if I should tell people about Jesus because I can't disciple them afterwards. Well, that would be incorrect. That's, that's wrong thinking. Um, and, 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 you know, it's easily to get there from there, from here, but that's not what it is. You see, if you get into God's word and you do your best to live a godly life, you're a disciple. It's, you're just living according to Jesus's commands. And we don't ever get it right. We're sinners. We fail. We repent, which means to turn around, which means to basically admit you messed up, to accept the forgiveness of God, and to move forward doing better next time. So I'm going to apologize now, John. <laughs> so me and John Chelly, we're having a conversation about uh, work. So John, basically the easiest way for you to express your um, faith is by how you live, how people see you live. You don't need to say a word for the beginning to be able to express your faith. It really is that easy. Live in such a way that people go, hmm. See, the people at John's work, they know he's a Christian. He's mentioned Jesus or church or something enough to where they know that. And then they see the way he behaves at work. He doesn't gossip. He doesn't rage and throw things across the room when he's angry or, or, you know, smash something or yell at his boss or cuss. He doesn't do those things. So they know he's a Christian and they see how he acts. That's a disciple. So this, I love this because when they see this, they know he's a Christian. They have questions, sometimes aggressive questions. Hey, I want to ask you something about, about your God. And John, I love John's approach. Oh, so you want to talk about Jesus? And then if they go, well, not really. Well, okay, well then, you know, get back to work. We're busy here. We got stuff to do. 
aren't you supposed to tell me about it? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? So you do want to talk about it. I love that because he's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk to you about it if you're going to, if you're gonna try and, you know, just be like this aggressive argument. But if you want to know, I'll tell you. And usually, according to him, the answer is like, well, no, but well, what about? So they said no, but they engaged in a conversation about the Bible, and inevitably, it turns into you're lost in your sin. God loved you enough to die for you and save you from that sin. All you have to do is accept him as your Lord and Savior, and you can have eternal life in heaven. And they said, what him? Aren't you, well, I mean, I'm gonna ask you a question about your God. And they got the gospel. And all it was was John was just being John. He was just being a Christian. He was a disciple because it's not hard to be a disciple. It's just living the way Christ said to live, plain and simple. And he didn't have to go and into the lunchroom and be like, all right, who wants to know about Jesus, you know? No, he just lived, and they asked him about Jesus. Excuse me. Okay, so now, let's make this a lot easier. The first thing you need to know is you will save no one. You can't do it. If people were saved according to what we do, no one would be saved. That's Christ's job. He saves people. He wants us to tell him. You will not be alone. He says, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Literally, God is with you in this. In fact, he goes before you. You see, in John 6, it says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. That means he's been doing the work already before you ever got there. This person is ready to hear. And if they walk away, he's still working on them. You know? God said he'd make them fishers of men. That's what he told them, right? He says, come with me and I'll make you fishers of men. That's what he told the apostles. So what do you think the apostles thought of when Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men? They were fishermen. Do you think they thought of a lazy day under a tree with sipping lemonade in the shade waiting for the fish to bite? No. Huh. These guys worked hard. Fishing for them was a, it was a job. It was work. It was hard work. Their families needed the fishing, the, the, the product of the fishing, for them to survive. This wasn't a hobby. This wasn't a pastime. This was a career. This was hard work. And they knew that. So that's what they expected when Jesus told them to go out, go and make disciples. They knew this. So, okay, if you've ever been fishing, besides the lazy tree thing, which is my favorite kind of fishing, I must say. Um, if, but if you've ever if been fishing, or if you've ever like watched like somebody marlin fishing, you ever see those things? The guy gets, they, they cast out, and they have it dragging behind the boat, and a marlin gets hit, hits it. The guy gets into a chair, straps himself into the chair, and then takes that belt he strapped and straps it to the reel of the pole and gets ready, feet on the rails. He's ready for a fight that's coming. 
and he does. He reels and he reels and he reels, and that reels like, like, like this. He's, he reels it in, he's cranking it, and, it gets, and that marlin says, that's close enough. And it turns around, and much like the people you would tell about the gospel, it runs hard. And if he does not let it run, he does not give it room to run, it will break that pull, and even I've even seen it pull the chair out of the boat. So he releases what they call the drag, which allows the wheel to spin out, and it goes. And it goes so hard and fast that if they don't pour water on the wheel, it'll burst into flames. It's no joke. It's going. And then the fisherman sees that fish going, and he sees that thing getting less and less and less, and he says, okay, far enough. He locks that back down, and you hear go, and he bends, and he bends that pole till it looks like a candy cane, and that fish turns around, and he does it again. Reels it, reels it, reels it, and it runs, and he reels it and over and over for hours. He'll fight this fish. Whew. Ready to be a fisherman? <laughs> Here's the thing. The guy in the chair, that's God. It's not you. He may look like you. He may sound like you. But the Holy Spirit is the one doing the work. He's gone before you. He's drawing them to you. You know who you are? You're the guy with the net. Waiting for the fish that God has, has, has been, been moving in his, in his life back and forth until he's broken before the Lord, right? He hasn't come broken before us. Broken before the Lord, it says, save me. And you bring him into the boat. Unlike the fish, you don't, uh, you don't serve him up. You stand him up, dust him off, and you help him to understand what it means to be a follower of Christ, Right? So even though God gives us the credit, he calls us the fishermen, he's doing all the work. All we are is just pulling them into the boat. So what is your job, right? If it's not to do all the work and you can't save them, what's your job? Simple. It's real simple. You need to make sure that whoever you're talking to understands the gospel. So what's the gospel? Well, if you look in your, in your uh, bulletins, you have one of these. Everybody, uh, if you don't have them, we have plenty. Please do not leave without one. This will help you to understand what it is to give the gospel. In fact, Brian used, Brian used this to speak the gospel into a young man's life. And I mean, he was every excuse, but in the end, he realized they were all excuses. He never made a profession of faith but I guarantee he hasn't forgot what was being said. And he used this little book. He physically opened it and read the things to him. But this is for you to help understand what it means to give the gospel. I'm gonna break it down real simple. Number one, make sure they understand that no matter what they've done, no matter who they've been, no matter what horrible thing they, they know that you don't, God still loves them, period. There's nothing he can do or they can do to stop God from loving them. That's number one. Number two, the life they've lived is a life of imperfection. We call it sin. Missing the mark. That's all it means. It doesn't mean that you like wallowed through trash, which we basically do in our lives anyway, but it just means you weren't perfect because perfection is the goal. And we can't achieve that. That we're lost in our sins and the penalty for that sin by God's law is death. That's what's coming. Except 
that God, who Jesus was, Jesus was God. This is number three. Make sure they understand that Jesus was God, that he came down to earth in the form of a man and paid that death penalty for them by going to the cross and dying in their place. Then in number four, understand that, they need to understand that three days later, he rose from the dead, proving, now why did he do it? To prove, he proved that he has authority over forgiveness of sin and death. Death could not hold him, so it can't hold you if you are a follower of Christ because he's in you. And fifth and last but not least, the price for the, your sin was paid once and for all. Even if you mess up, you come back and you repent. Just like you did, you know, when you accepted Christ, you repent, you accept his forgiveness, and you move on doing better next time. And all they have to do is believe. Now, this is, this is like a serious level of belief. I don't want to make it sound like it's like, you know, I believe that, uh, it's not even like believing that tomorrow is going to happen. I, I use the example of a chair, and a lot of people have. You know, when you sit down in that chair, you have faith, you believe that that chair is going to hold you up. Is there a chance that chair will not hold you? Yeah. It's a really small chance, but who knows? A bolt loosened, a, a weld broke. You know, we don't, you don't know. It, it, I've had chairs collapse off from underneath me. It happens. That's not the kind of belief. The belief in the chair, that's not the kind of belief. We're talking like a belief that if you jump into the air, you will come down again. We're talking about a belief in gravity. You will not float on into space. No matter how many times you jump, every single time, you'll come down. That kind of belief, right? That you believe that your sins are forgiven and Christ died for you and he is God and he rose from the dead proving that he has, he has authority over death and sin and you are saved. And then confess. That's where it comes in, right? Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Now here's, here's, here's something I recently came to Understand, people have said, well, I walked down the aisle and I said the sinner's prayer. That, that's amazing. Did they say it with that level of belief in their heart? We, we can't know that. What, we, what they need is that level of belief and then those words need to come from their heart. If they're parroted back from somebody, that's okay. You know, repeat after me. I don't have a problem with that. Um, as long as the person understands when the words come out, there's a breaking in their heart for the sin. There's a gratefulness in their heart for the salvation. And there's, a, there's a, a, like an excitement in their heart for what it means to walk with Christ, to live a life, Christ, like, live a life for Christ. That's all that matters. The words don't matter. It's what comes in the, heart, in the heart. If you need words, there's plenty of things out there. Look up Sinner's Prayer. You'll, you'll find it. You can find it. And just read the words. And when you read the words, think about what those words mean. Okay, so nothing. Not everyone that you tell about Jesus is going to receive it. 
on average, they say that most people have to hear the gospel seven to eight times before making a decision for Christ. And honestly, a lot of people will hear the gospel far more times than that and never make a decision for Christ. If somebody you love and you have prophesied to, evangelized to, spoken the truth of Christ in their life for years, never accepts Christ, that is not your fault. You didn't do it wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. You see, <coughs> in Samuel 8, 7, Israel was at a sort of a crossroads and they told Samuel, well, let's just read it. Samuel 8, 7, oh wait, hold on. They told Samuel, we want a king. We want like a, a physical king like all the other nations. And Samuel's upset. He's all, God is our ruler. Why would you want an earthly king? We have God. And they're like, no, no, we want, we want earthly king like everybody, like the other people. And God said in Samuel 8, 7, and the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you. This applies to us. For they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. This applies as much today to people bringing Christ to a, to a dead and dying world, a lost world, as it does to Israel then in Samuel's day. You see, Israel rejected God desiring a worldly king, and our world rejects Jesus desiring worldly things. They would rather have fame, they would rather have money, cars, a nice house, a beautiful wife. That's what matters. They don't, they don't want God to rule over them, to reign over them. But God commands us to go out and make disciples. And right here he says, not everyone you speak to is going to accept me. But like he said, it's me that they're rejecting. However, obeying God is never in vain. Right? I mean, Abraham was going to obey God to the point of sacrificing the thing he loved most on the, on the earth, and it was counted unto him as righteousness because he, he, he went. And God said, whoa. Now, if you go out and you tell somebody about Christ and they never accept Christ, God's going to be like, well done. He's not going to look at the result. He's going to look at the heart. That's what he does. You see, I, I told Art this. Um, when I'm standing before God, and, uh, and this is my imagination now, He's looking at a list of all the stuff that uh, I, I got wrong. And he gets to the point where it says, these are all the people you were supposed to tell about, about my son. And these are the names that you didn't tell. I want that list to be super small. Even if they didn't accept Christ, that's not me, that's not my job. My job's to tell them. I want that list to be so small. And... There's three that were at the skate park I was supposed to tell about Christ and I didn't. So it got, it got longer that day. Makes me sad. Because that is something I live by. I mean, I, I tell people about Christ when it, it could cost me my job. You know? Because it's, it's more important than my job. God provides. But three got by me. Praise the Lord, Brian was there. And God was like, 
he, he had already moved in his heart that he wanted, he needed to be like an active hunter. Okay, so. Half page. And we're almost there. So how? Okay, so there's a story. I love this story. So Billy Graham, I'm sure you know, you know who he is. If you don't, definitely need to look it up. He's a famous evangelist that does these giant, or he used to do, he's, he's passed away now. Uh, he used to do these giant revivals and he would, he would just give the gospel. And one day after he had done this tent revival, a woman came up to him and she told him that she did not like the way that he gave the gospel, that he told people about Christ. She didn't like how he did it. And Billy Graham said, oh, okay, well, how, how do you do it? And she said, well, I don't. He said, well, I guess I like my way better, <laughs> right? He said, well, at least he's doing it. He may not be doing it up to everybody's personal preference on how, but he's doing it, and that's what matters. So we are all to tell the people about the good news of Christ, all of us. Now, what that looks like for you may be different than me or, or, or John or, or Art or, or Kevin or, or Richard. It's different. In fact, it may be different as you go through different seasons in your life. But, you know, I mean, some people are called to go leave the country and go into places like Saudi Arabia for, you know, for one example of a, of a place I'd be scared to go and tell people about Christ. That's, that's what God's calling them to do. Some people are called to be street evangelists. I'm not talking about on the street with a sign, turn or burn. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about going and talking to homeless and addicts and people in places that are scary, like dangerous, and telling them about Jesus. Gangs sitting on corners waiting to sell drugs. And if God's telling people to go up and tell them about Jesus. And that's what they're called to do. Um, my uh, father-in-law, Nick Long, he spent time on the streets of Seattle. I think it was Seattle. And, or no, or it might have been uh, Seattle or it may have been Alaska. Uh, it, one of the two, it doesn't really matter. But the point is, he spent time living on the streets, homeless, sleeping in shelters, and telling people about Jesus. That's where God wanted him to be. Because that's where he needed to be to understand Jesus a little better. And then... God changed how he wanted him to tell people about Christ. Some people are even called to spread the gospel electronically. Maybe they have a YouTube channel and they, they speak the truth of God and they give wisdom. Um, and there's no age limit, by the way. You can be 15, 12 years old. As long as you're speaking from the Bible and you're speaking God's truth, then that's what you're supposed to do. And you don't have to be up in people's faces. Maybe he's calling it you to do it to where your word goes out worldwide, electronically. You never know. And like I said, what you're called to do now may not be what you're called to do in 25 years or five years or six months. God will, may change how he wants you to do evangelism, spread the gospel as you go through different seasons of your life. Oh, I forgot my favorite one. Some people are called to prison ministry, right? Going into prisons, telling murderers and thieves and all of the, the other things that are in there. We won't go into detail, obviously. And some of these people will never see freedom again as far as this earth goes, but they're there, they're telling that free, there's freedom in Christ. And they have a captive audience. 
right? <laughs> They're not going anywhere. They can't, they, can't, they can't not be present. So, as you go and God tells you what he wants you to do through different seasons of your life, it's important to be able to understand what God wants you to do, how God wants you to do this, is get into the word, read your Bible, um, pray, dig into God's word, look for what he's trying to tell you. I, I mean, I was telling, uh, I was, we had our men's breakfast, I was telling Art that there was a devotion I used to do, and well, lots of different devotions, but I would get in the morning and I would read the devotion and it would have scriptures that, that applied to the devotion. And so I would open the Bible and I would get into that scripture and I would read that scripture and it may link to another scripture. And next thing I know, I'm somewhere in a book I never even started in and I'm reading and God's like speaking, like, like into me, like this is important for you to hear. And I'm like, whoa. And all because I just opened the book to this page and I ended up somewhere else completely, but it was God that drew me there because I opened it. It doesn't do anything if it just sits on a shelf. It'll hold your papers down. That's it. Open it. Pray. Be in contact with God. He will show you how he wants you to be a disciple because it's in here. He'll show you how to be a disciple, and he'll show you how to tell others about him, and because you've learned how to be a disciple, you'll know how to make a disciple, because you'll have these highlighted sections in your Bible that says, oh, you know, do unto others, uh, don't steal, don't rob, don't murder, don't lust, um, and just by knowing that you can lead them to the places that you went to. And you'll often find somebody that you're discipling will bring understanding or bring things to light in a way that you were like, I didn't even think of it that way. Uh, I mean, I recently, <laughs> so confession time. I, uh, I had a really good job, paid a really good money, and um, things happened and the economy sort of tanked and the company stopped working me. They sat me in home, and I worked maybe eight hours every couple weeks. And it was not providing for my family, not even close. And so you know, I'm going out there, putting the word out, trying to get a job, and I got a job with um, a major telephone company, let's just say that. And it was solid work, guaranteed, every day, probably a lot of overtime, not guaranteed that, but if, if they offered it, you had no choice but to say yes. So I was like, okay, this is great. What's the wage? A little more than half of what I made. So a big hit to the, the pay. And honestly, I was not grateful. I was grateful we had a job. I was grateful there was food on the, on the table. I was grateful this, but I didn't think this was where I was supposed to be. I thought, okay, this is a stopgap. This is the place where God's just going to, okay, well, here's something for now, and I'm working on the other thing over here. 12 years, well, 11 years um, in the field with them, and I got raises. It went, it, you know, the, the, the money went up eventually, and um, it was a good job. It provided for my family. 
way better than I, I thought it was going to. But I wasn't grateful. I wasn't. See, what God had done, if I was reading the Bible, and I was in there, and I was like, oh, yeah, Gideon. See, he pulled a Gideon on me. Gideon. He was um, supposed to go and fight the Philistines, and he had way too many people, according to God. God got him down from like 12,000 people to 300. God took me from a, over here where I thought I was providing for my family to down here where he was the only person who could possibly have been providing for my family because I wasn't me. I couldn't, this wasn't, this wasn't doing it. And I wasn't grateful until like a week ago, I'm talking to my wife and I'm, I'm confessing to her that I've, I've been angry and you know, so on and so forth and I don't understand why God's doing this and that and Literally, Gideon. And I was like, years of, of like disappointment in what God had proven for me. And I was so ashamed. And I looked and said, I was not living the life of a disciple. I was not grateful for what God had given me. How effective have I been for his kingdom if that's where I was? So, obviously, I, well, I didn't get my knees because I have one that's messed up, but I got spiritually on my knees and I begged God forgiveness and I said, I'm here. And I'm now I'm usable. I mean, he's, not that he hasn't used me, but he's saying, like, he used Pharaoh too, right? So, <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean you're, doesn't mean you're right just because God can use you. But he, he inspired me that, He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. Even when I was certain that we were not going to make it, we were going to lose everything, he was there. And he provided. He provided in ways that, I mean, if I told you, um, you'd be like, that, that doesn't happen. I mean, he had government institutions say, oh yeah, three years ago, we, we meant to pay you this and we forgot. Here you go. Government from three years ago, handing me a check that's enough to cover my mortgage or my, or my food bill or whatever. And that there's no way that was me. And that was God. And I didn't realize it because I was too worried about me and less worried about him and what he was trying to show me. So don't do that. <laughs> whatever you do, do not... Um, do not think that God has somehow forsaken you or forgetting you or that he's not providing for you better than you possibly could, could understand because he definitely is. And with taking that with you, go out and tell people. Put yourself in situations where you are completely uncomfortable and able to tell people about Christ. Come out with us to the skate park. We'll drag people over to you and you can tell them about Christ with us. We won't, we won't make you do it alone. You know? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just hope that you have um, spoken into the hearts better than my words could, my fumbling. And I pray that uh, you just move before us, Lord, in this community that needs you so desperately. I mean, the whole world does, but you've placed us here. You've placed us in this room to speak to the community at large around us, Lord. Help us to see how you want that to happen. Help us to speak into the lives of these kids at the skate park. Help us to speak into the lives of the people that we are in line with at the grocery store 
who happened to be talking about um, looking for some place to go or a church or something. You, you bring, make it so obvious, and yet we're so blind to see these things, Lord. So help us to have eyes to see the opportunities that you're putting in our laps. You've done the fishing. We just have to hold the net. Show us how to hold that net and let, make, us, make us see the opportunities before us and give us the boldness to speak, knowing that it's not our job to save them. It's just our job to be your voice. Life. And if they come to save you or if they want to know more about you, Lord, then you are bringing them to us. And we, who are living our best to be disciples, will help them do the same. And that's all you ask. You don't ask too much of us. You will never give us more than we can handle. And in fact, you're, you're, you're doing all the work for us. We just have to trust you. So as we go today, I pray that you just bless our travels, you bless our days with our families. I pray that there's just... Uh, time to minister to each other um, and just love on each other, Lord. In all these things I pray in Jesus' name, amen.